0: Just do it. If you do it really badly initially, you have to get over that. You don't learn by having everything ready and having everything perfect. And it's not truly your authentic self that you're given them in that situation either,
1: because we all fumble. That's Helen Walsh, author and international life and health coach. Her clients include some of the biggest names from entertainment, politics, the media and business. And in this episode of Your Truth Shared, Helen shares her journey from the 1980s fitness instructor to discovering coaching, psychology and cognitive behavioral therapy. We discuss coaching and how to choose yours and her passion for Pass It On, the initiative she founded to make her difference in the world. I'm Fanola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. Today, I want to introduce you to a very, very good friend of mine. And her name is Helen Walsh, and she is a life and health coach. The first time we met was in 2005, and I had asked her to speak at this big event. It was with the first one of its kind in Ireland called international businesswomen.com or irishbusinesswomen.com, apologies. and. We expected that very few people would come to this and 175 women came together. And Helen, <laughs> in her wonderfulness, managed to get all 175 women holding hands and doing the canga or something all around the room singing. Is this the way to Amarillo? So welcome, <laughs> Helen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, thank you. Shalala, la 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 la. Love it. Love it. It would be forever, forever in my memory. What a fantastic day yeah. that was. It was amazing.
1: Powerful. Powerful. You
0: weren't the first people to put me up on the stage. Really? And yeah, and I don't know if I ever said this to you, and I hope I did, mm. but it's just been so long. Um, the old cells are going, but I got a call after that gig to say um that I had been listed in the top 50 most influential women in Ireland and I told <laughs> your woman on the phone to feck off because I thought it was someone messing <laughs> but you were Helen I thought it was messing I had to actually take take her number and ring her back and <laughs> to it. prove who she was um uh, I was just it was just a bit funny but i i i mean what a what a privilege at the time it was the examiner, and you know there was amazing yeah. women like Mary Robinson' and stuff on the page, and I was, oh my god, mortal <laughs>
1: <laughs> like one of the things I love about you as we've had our conversations over the years was you' were kind of an entrepreneur from a very young age, like you were doing stuff when you were a kid, weren't you? you were always kind of Hustling, yeah, always. Like I had made up my mind from a very young age
0: that the pocket money that I was getting was not going to be suffi- would suffice with my fascination with clothes, um, or, or going to discos to chase boys. So I had the money had to go mm-hmm. from somewhere. So I had like paper rounds, and I had cleaned houses, and I packed boiled suites and we get most of them and got the blisters. But, it was, yeah, I always was doing something. And we made this big car parking sign because behind our house, there was just this piece of land. And on Match Day, because I live near Lansdowne Road, we just put this big sign up with the narrow and charge a pound a car. So, like, we were absolutely making... I had more disposable income then than I do now. Like, it was... Love it. It was great fun and a real learning experience right from the start, you know. And we all shared everything and we all spent most of our money on bags of chips and uh, lucky bags and like the child in us. Yes, we sort of were copping on to how we can basically make Make some money money and have a better life, even at a very young age.
1: It's wonderful. How did you get into fitness then? Tell me, because it was unique because you went you got into fitness at a time when nobody was really doing it yeah I
0: flash dance was on the telly fame was on the telly (laughs) I wanted the leotard Mm. and the the ankle warmers. I loved dance I just was always if (laughs) somebody was laughing at me today because I was helping them set something up and they put music on the background and when they turned around I was having a great I'll dance with myself around the room and I just can't help but when Mm. I hear music I sort of have that in me I want to move so um I wanted to to uh, become a dancer or choreographer at the time it was something like ridiculous like seven years training you had to have done and it was a couple of grand a year and all that sort of stuff so it just wasn't an option for me I had a very sick mum growing mm. up so we spent a lot of time looking out for her as well so there wasn't really time to go to classes and do stuff so the first mm. or one of the first definitely um courses that came to Lytton Lane in Dublin all I saw on the picture was the leotard and the ankle warmers I'm like I'm in and it was an aerobics nice. course And it completely tied into that whole thing of the music and being able to move to the music. And then I love people. So that connection with being able to get up the front of the class and go, okay, we're going to have an absolute party now for the next hour. Mm. And when we walk out, we're going to be two pounds (laughs) lighter, you know, and that was of the time. And I suppose it was just one of those, when we started, it was a little bit sort of prestigious in a way. It was like, can you remember, like, yeah. the air hostesses for Aer Lingus back in the day? It was yeah, yeah. so cool, like, to, to have this job, yeah. you know? And we all looked out for one another. It was really a sense of team with us all, you know? Now, mm. what I mean by that is half of us would party and half of us would do the work. But everything got done at mm. the end of the day and everyone had one yeah. another's back. So it was an amazing time in my life to to get through. My Wonderful. my um, three friends killed in a car accident at that time. And then a year later, my mum passed away. So it was a time of extreme pain and grief. And I don't think I would have got through it doing anything else. I think like the music was sort of, you know, Literally. yeah, 100%. 100%.
1: And was it hard to make a living at that? Or did you work for someone doing that? Or did you strike out on your own? Uh, I went to work
0: in a health club. I decided what health club I wanted to work in. There wasn't that many of them, but I had one in particular I wanted to go in. So I um, introduced myself into the manager. Uh, another friend of mine who'd done the course with me came with me. And we. it was a week before we would get our certificates in the post. So I sat down with this gentleman, Fran, and I said, look, I'll work for you for a week for nothing, mm. I said. And then if you like me at the end of the week, I'll have the cert and you can employ me. And yeah. I did a deal with him, basically. Love um it. which <laughs> Which I don't know whether that would ever happen now. But um, he was like fantastic. He got a week's work for free and I was there for years. I absolutely loved it.
1: Do you think we... Uh as women even, or just in general, as a question, do you think we do enough deals now? You know, that hustle that you had when you were a kid and even doing that in your first position. I'm a terror for asking questions to people. Like I just ask them, I'd
0: say, is there any chance you know, now, yeah. usually I'm asking for something for someone else. I, I'm obviously much yes. better at that. And we all, I think, are better at if it's if it's for somebody else. But I think even for myself, I just say to someone, you know, particularly if, say, it's a, you're buying a car or you're doing something, I'd say, look, what's your best price? Like, I would never pay mm. off the top, you know, for something, unless I felt, say it was a new business or someone who I really thought, you know, this is a little local business, and they need the money. And then I, there's no hustle with me. Then it's like, this is why
1: I pay him. But in your in your uh, experience now, because you moved from fitness and had a very successful uh, fitness, well, you're still doing it now, aren't you? I, as well, as part pieces, of what you yeah, do, yeah.
0: select, yeah, selectively.
1: <laughs> but you moved. You invested in yourself and moved on to studying cognitive behavioral therapy. You studied uh, psychology, counseling, and really expanded this role of coach. In your in your experiences in this role, how do you think people? What do you think people are like? Do they kind of take that chance and ask those questions? And put themselves out there because I sense a reticence in people now these days for doing that. Or what do you feel the trend is?
0: No, we're more inclined to do something via text, you know, or or yeah. just not to. We might do it if there's a bit of distance between us. So if there's an email or something like that, or a different way to transcend that conversation. But face to face, we tend to be embarrassed about standing up for ourselves or asking for anything for ourselves. There's a a, a definite uncomfortableness with that I think I've always just been aired a little bit on the side of cheeky so I would find it easier than most people but I also I have a thing where I never really want to walk away from a situation and feel oh my god why didn't I say that and why didn't I do that am I because the moment has gone and it could be a very important moment so I just think that comes from really not bothering about what someone thinks of you, particularly a stranger. So I yeah. just go, well, if they don't like me, if I ask the question or whatever, I make sure I don't insult anyone. It's always done with, you know, <clears throat> diplomacy. But if somebody doesn't like me at the end of her, thinks she's a bit cheeky, or whatever, I'm okay with that. I'm actually, you know, mm. I'm not going to h- go home and lose any sleep over it.
1: Well, I think I'm kind of referring back to our chat when we were preparing for this and... One of the things that struck me was a statement that you made, which was, uh, we're hardwired to believe we are not enough and that this is fundamentally in our DNA. And I kind of wanted you to explore that a little with us here. Because I wonder if they're connected, you know, that we don't, we have this reticence around selling, around, you know, understanding our worth, all of that kind of stuff. It's not just a hustle piece, it's that asking.
0: Yeah, I, I and I'll just give you a little short example of that. I talked to a woman today who had set up her business and she was a lecturer in technology, this woman, in her country. And she'd set up her business and I said, oh, fantastic, where's your website? Where's your Facebook? Blah, blah, blah. She said, I just don't know if I'm ready to put that out there. And I was so shocked by that because A, yeah. There's so many people who don't have the skills or the technical skills to be able to do all that for themselves. And she does. And it was all actually set up and ready. She just hadn't put her finger on the button. And I just said to her, I'm not moving till you put your finger on the button. I said, you just have to launch this now and put yourself out there. And even if you do it really badly initially, you have to get over that. We we go we think, okay, I'm putting that out there. It needs to be perfect. My hair needs to be perfect. The background needs to be perfect. Mm. No, it doesn't look. I have a disco ball in the back, back behind me. Like, just, just do it. Just get out there and do it. And what you will learn from that is that the next time you'll do it better. And the next time again, you'll go right. How can I do this better? And that's where you learn from. You don't learn by having everything ready and having everything perfect. And it's not truly your authentic self that you're giving them in that situation either, because we all fumble.
1: It's something that I meet a lot in working with clients, which is this whole idea of identity. It's the first greatest challenge of the entrepreneur, which is to step out and truly be themselves. And I don't say that lightly. What I mean by that is we're so preoccupied with should and holding back a little because we're afraid of being You know, that whole tall poppy syndrome or whatever the myriad of reasons is that we don't push ourselves forward enough and actually speak our truth. And when we don't do that, we're just vanilla like everybody else. You can't stand out from the crowd when you can't stand up to be yourself.
0: A lot of people, particularly when they're setting out in business, I find um, over the years working with people, they have done all the work on the business. So they've worked on the research. They know their product. They know their market. They have their price worked out if they're lucky, and they're ready to go. But they haven't actually identified who they are in business and not who they are in everyday life, who they are in business. So I say to people, right, draw me a little avatar because you know where you want this to go. Yeah. So even in three years time, who is she? What does she look like? What does she wear? What does she, who is she with? Where is she living? Where is she, you know, and it's just creating, I suppose, that visualization for yourself of having that. And I say, look, if you have to go on and do a video or you're doing a podcast or you're doing anything, put her in front of you. This is where you're going. So you need to take that step in order to get to there. And that really, I find, helps.
1: So you need to, you need to, project yourself into the future you so that you can actually take that journey.
0: Yeah, because if you keep doing the same, you keep getting the same as Wayne Dyer would say. You know, you, you're only going to change when you go into that state of feeling a little bit uncomfortable and, oh my God, did I do that right? And, oh my God, they're all really great, oh my God, because they will make you come back and reflect on what you've done. So I think it's very
1: powerful and just, just do it. Yeah, I love it. That's great advice, Helen. Um, the, the other thing that you said to me when we were chatting was this idea that you kind of have to have been there and walked the path. If you're going to be sitting across the table from somebody, uh, to coach them, you need to have. Yeah.
0: And I know that's, that's quite a controversial thing to say, because um, there's a lot. Of, and of course, that's why I want to talk <laughs> yeah, about. <of> course. <laughs> and you know me, I'm always going to put the drop in the ocean. But I think that um, just for me, if I'm going to somebody, if I'm taking myself to a mentor or somebody, I want to know that they've hit rock bottom and got back up or that they've at least felt that uncomfortable or pain. I don't want to go to somebody who's had plane sailing the whole way through that hasn't a notion how I'm feeling right now about the fact that I don't know where I'm going or I haven't really got the plan together or haven't really decided where, you know, like I think, I think particularly in this country with, with life coaches and things like that, we don't really go to life coaches. Not a lot of people go to them because they do it in the States all the time and it's a huge industry and bigger, you know, finances and all involved. But here we sort of go down to the pub <laughs> or go for a walk with our maids and we have that chat. But actually you're missing a depth of knowledge with somebody who has the experience or gone through something and come out and can be calm with you and say, okay, I get how you're feeling right now. I can give you that empathy, not sympathy, because you don't want it to be condescending. But I'm going to give you the empathy that you need right now to know that I hear you. And that's the most important thing right now. I hear you. I get that you're in this pain or that you're in this place or whatever. And so you have a choice now. So you can sit in this for as long as you want and feel miserable, or you can take a step forward. And that might be the babyest step. And sometimes that's all it is. It's a routine every day. It's getting up and making your bed. It is getting out for that walk or jumping into the sea for your swim or whatever it is. That routine might seem like nothing, but that will build so much self-esteem for people. And people do all these courses for self-esteem and confidence and all. That's how you build it. You turn up for yourself every single day in some way be it drinking your water or your walk, as I say, or just picking better food to eat or learning something.
1: I mean, that's a really good message. Turn up for yourself in some way every single day. Yeah, well, look at the phone, right? We have phones
0: in our hand. We have the world in our hand. We have access to everything. We have never, there's never been a time in history where we've had so much stuff that we can access and I know we can get buried in that a little bit as well. But like, if you feel as you can go on and listen to something that's inspirational, or you can listen to somebody who's been there. And hopefully even that will happen with this, you know, in your podcasts, that people will go, actually, uh, you know, they're sort of, oh, that's how I feel, you know, or I felt like that that this year and I didn't know how to get out of it. And that it gives people uh, identity with you, where they go,
1: she gets it. Why is this controversial? Because,
0: you know, there's so many people who go and they study and they get all the certs and they get all the whatever and blah, blah, blah. And they set up the amazing offices and they sit across from people and they, their textbook good. Their textbook. But I can tell you how to do 10 things. But if I don't really feel or have a sense of feeling how you're feeling right now, then I'm wasting my time. Because I haven't got behind that. There are only a list of things to do. And you will get bored with that list. Or you'll run out of steam with that list. Because your energy is in the moment and motivated. But it's not. there's no longevity with that. To get the longevity behind it, I need to hit a nerve with you where I know who you are. And I say, okay, well, I know that this is something you really want. So where, as Tony Robinson said, you we're always going towards pleasure or away from pain were our decisions. So which is it? You know, I don't want to be poor. I don't want to have no money. I don't want to struggle. I'm coming away from pain. You'll find it, millions of entrepreneurs and examples of them where they have gone. That's never happening for me again. I grew up in poverty. If you're going towards pleasure, look at, say, it's going to probably sound a bit old-fashioned, but the woman who's going to get into the wedding dress and the pictures are for life, Like she will go hell for leather and do whatever it takes to lose her stone or to, you know, to look fantastic on the day. So there's that drive of towards pleasure away from pain.
1: How would you advise people to choose a coach that they could work with to help them project themselves into that future version of themselves? How would you what piece of advice would you Tell him to watch out for, to find that connection, that depth.
0: When you do your research or you find someone, say, particularly online, you really need to connect with, you know, if they have a website, does it is it drawing you in? Are you feeling that it's not, it's not about sales. It's about thinking, oh, there's something here. And then you book a phone conversation and you don't go to anybody that you haven't had a conversation with. That's my advice. You do 15 minutes on the phone. Any, coach worth their salt will give you 15 minutes and you get a gist of whatever and you listen to how they respond to you are they talking over you or are they listening
1: what are you looking for look for someone who listens because if they take
0: yeah if they take over that conversation and tell you start telling you what you need
1: you need to run a mile great advice Tell me about the journey. Can you share if you feel comfortable about this? One of the things he said was. You have to have lived some kind of uncomfortable pain to be able to sit, to have the right to sit across the table from your clients. Can you elaborate a little from your story? Please, if you feel comfortable.
0: Yeah, that's OK. Well, I mean, I think right through life, I, things were never sort of plain sailing. I grew up in a tough house. Um, my mum wasn't well. My dad was probably emotionally detached, is how I'd probably describe him. He worked hard and he looked after his family. But um, there was a lot of things missing, we'd say, that would nurture you in childhood. Um, They did their best with what they knew at the time. I really believe that um would I have wanted to be anywhere else from my childhood no um but I made my life I think outdoors I was out on the street with my friends and having a great time and I created my fantasies out there so that was okay but you also learn to get you know you have shocks to your nervous system when you live in that sort of environment and so what happens I think sometimes is that you get used to it so it's your normal so when you grow up and yeah. things happen to you, you know, I might be sitting beside somebody and something happens and they will go, oh my God, that's awful. And I haven't blinked because I'm sort of numbed out to that or whatever.
1: And I, I can appreciate that because I remember times in my own life where my, your definition of normal actually moves as the incremental intolerances keep building. Mm.
0: Well, one of the biggest lessons I've learned over the years, and I, I will finish that story now, but I I think it's just that we treat our mind now, We're all, we've gone mad into mental health and mindfulness and looking after our mind and we look after our body and we forget we have a nervous system to look after and the damage comes from from grief and from shock and from tragedy and from all sorts of stuff is an impact to the nervous system and that has to go through repair and that's self-care and minding yourself over a period of time and it takes time and it takes work but real repair comes from the nervous system and nowhere else. I left a domestic situation uh, nearly 10 years ago now um shock of my life because I would never in my wildest dreams have thought this person would do what he did um I walked away with an injury having to decide what I do I remember at the time both a doctor and a counsellor telling me to brush myself down and go back um
1: back to the relationship
0: yeah that Mm -hmm. we obviously loved one another and it was a a glitch in time, and it was a pretty big glitch. So, and mm-hmm. and I remember coming out of the counsellors, it was on Trinity Street in town and going into essences And I love my books. If if there was a fire tomorrow, God forbid in this place it'd be all the books under the arm and I'd run out the door. Like I love my books. But I remember going into the bookshop to calm myself down. And the first book I saw on the shelf was called Toxic Men. And I opened it. Just a random page, and it said, If anyone raises a hand to you ever, you don't walk away, you run. And I just looked up and went, Thank you, closed the book, and that was it. Now, I'm not for one minute saying that that doesn't have my confidence for the first time really in my life was gone, it was wiped out because it wasn't even about him, it was about me. How could I have missed the signs? How could I? have judged this person or trusted this person so you don't trust yourself it's not that you don't trust men anymore or that you don't it's you don't trust yourself my judgment is off i got this wrong like royally wrong Mm. so so there's a repair on that as well and that took me time um and i just decided to rebrand the business reset up everything really focusing on the coaching to allow my body to heal um And I was just probably blessed that I had the toolbox of skills. You know, I had gone to college for nearly 20 years at my time to learn all these skills, but I did them because I loved them. It was never meant to be where the career went. I wasn't really sure where I was going to end up with the career (laughs) either, but Mm. I just kept jumping around and doing my stuff. I was never, thank God, out of work. I'd always, you know, people headhunted you or looked for you or you'd set up a class and it was always work Um, it was the best choice for me in my life.
1: But it must have been really hard to face the fact that the body that had carried you in your career to this point had been damaged and now you had to reinvent. Yeah it
0: was the one of the best things ever. I would not say that what happened was the best thing ever. It definitely wasn't. And I'd love to sit here and go, oh, it's all love and happiness and forgiveness and all. It isn't its backside. If someone hurts you, you have the right <laughs> to feel. You know, you can laugh because yeah. that's the way I feel. You have the I'm right. I'm because I'm glad you're saying this. Yeah, you have the right to be annoyed or upset or angry with somebody who hurts you. You do not have to go down the road of, I'm going to forgive them because it's taken a lot out of me. It would take a lot on I me mean, if I did forgive bad behavior like that. And it is appalling behavior mm. and an appalling disrespect of the relationship and the person and all that. And that goes for, for the women that I've I've worked with in shelters and stuff as well. I they they, they sit there and say, Oh, I'm trying to work on forgiveness. What? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, you don't need to forgive. I'm sorry, that's just my take on it anyway. You need to know what it is you need to look out for the next time (laughs) because chances are there is a pattern in you or something that has, I'm not saying attracted it into your life. I'm very careful. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying there's stuff in there. As I said, that you don't see the little red flags looking back. Mm. Now I can see that there were red flags and I just didn't notice them. I just didn't have that. So now you know what the red flags are. So, you go on a date and you see the red flag and you're 20 minutes in, you're like night, night. It's not, Do you know what I mean? Don't waste your time and your energy yeah. trying to fix things. You are who you are. Yeah. You come from where you come from with all your bumps and scars and all the bits. And if somebody is not fully loving you for that or filling you up or making your life better because they're in it, then don't bother because it's not that bad on your own. <laughs>
1: I love that. Bravo, Helen. Uh, I want, if it was possible for you to share this great story. You went to visit the um, refuge that you had. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I love this story because it tells me more about all of the work that you do because you do a lot of work and you've called it. It's not a charity, it's a social initiative and you've called it Pass It On. But I love this story please share it
0: okay well I'll just take you up to that briefly so uh, I was at home sick 22 years ago and I was watching the Oprah Winfrey show and I saw all yeah. these children collecting stuff and I thought oh what are they doing and they were collecting items and then giving them where they were needed and I thought I absolutely loved that concept because i had done a lot of fundraising over the years I was never really 100% happy with where the money was going and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying you should not give to charities or whatever, but you do need to have the responsibility to know where your money's going if you do that. So anyway, there was no middleman here. It was like, I'm going to take blankets and I'm going to give them where the blankets are needed and I'm going to wherever. So I did my first one of that. Um, we actually sending stuff over to the cost for the War. And I thought, Ash, I'm going to ask a yeah. few friends for some coats and blankets. No, we filled 10 badata sheds. With the stuff, and we had to get the army to come out and pack it. So, but that was my first sort of wow of okay, if you ask people for items, they're happier to do that because they know, A, they're probably finished with them themselves, or even if they're going out to buy them, they have to think about where they're going. So, anyway, did the hampers over the years, was involved with some of the homeless runs, would do the little care packs and all that. And it sort of grew, it had a life of its own. But after my situation, and um, this particular women's hostel was very kind to me in my conversations with them. And, you know, they made sure i moved to a safe place and everything was OK. And I wanted to give back to them. So I decided to write the best thing I could give the women would be a package, a care package on Christmas Eve where they get new pajamas, a new towel, new new toiletries for themselves, new slippers, just something lovely to get into mm-hmm. on Christmas Eve. And because I knew Christmas is a really hard time if you're in situations like that. Yeah. So anyway, um, I was going down for a meeting. I'd been doing it for about three years at the stage. And I went down for a meeting into one of the refuge places. And the staff were just lovely. And this one particular woman is lovely. And we were due to have a meeting, but she got called out and didn't call me. So I ended up yeah. down there waiting on her. So in the hall, there was these two little ones and they were sisters. One was five and the other Six cutest things you've ever seen in your life. Big woolly red hats on them that didn't really quite fit. They were coming down over their eyes yeah. and whatever and just cute out. So yeah. um, they were chalking on the floor and they were like, Mrs, don't tell anyone you've seen us chalking on the floor. And the story was basically that they had grown up in the flats where they lived and that this was normal and the mother would come out with a bucket of water at night and clear off the chalked floor and it was all good. But they were in a building chalk. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I'm saying nothing to no one, don't you worry. But I said, oh, your red hats are lovely. Are you looking forward to Santy come? And the little one said, oh, Santi is a bee. And it was a very long word. And <laughs> I said, oh, it's a big word for a little person. I said, he must have really upset you. And she said, he's never come to me. Like, he never knows where we are. He doesn't. And I was like you know in your head you're going that couldn't be right mm. or whatever she's just this is in her head or whatever you know and yeah the the other sister was like we don't like we don't like santi we don't <laughs> she was giving it the full oh, that's my sister 100 percent. so anyway yeah, i had yeah. a meeting the next day with the care worker and said like what's the story and she said no they just don't there just isn't always anything left they have their. we give them their accommodation but they buy their own food and they pay their own bills and you know they're on social welfare and they can't go out to work they can't be seen for a period of time and you know they're trying to to oh, this is shocking it's just shocking to me that yeah. a child would not have santa claus i couldn't ca- hack it so i said right send me the list so she was meant to send me the list for one hostel but she sent them for three mm. But there was two yeah. attached, that shouldn't have been, and there were 79 children. So I'm walking through the village in Sandy, and thinking, oh, sweet Jesus, how am I going to get 79 toys? Like, I just want like <laughs> four days to go. And I met yeah. the manager, Antoinette, and Tesco in Sandy, and a gorgeous woman. And she said, what's wrong with you, Helen? <laughs> I said, I need 79 Santi toys. And she said, okay. She said, well, I have 79 staff or more so she said why don't we just get them all to buy a Santa toy and she took it on and she took it on for the next two or three years and wow just amazing yeah just amazing and that changed those children's lives well they had something on christmas morning and i had the best christmas of my life because i knew i knew that morning that they were okay
1: yeah I knew you were going to make me do this. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I wanted you the tish, to tell, the well, I right. wanted you to tell yeah. that story. I know. Well, I mean, I told the story <laughs> to Kevin as well, and he couldn't believe it. Uh, but I wanted you to share the story because I really love this idea that one person can, can make a difference. And you do it all the time. And I really wanted people to know that. that One, that you you do it. And two, that it can be done. But I, yeah, and that's the message I want to give to people, really. Just get up
0: and do something. Just don't look at the telly and think that's shocking. Or don't look at your local situation and think it's shocking. Get up and do, what can you do? Ask yourself, what can I do? You know, small little things. The, The tragedy in Donegal. Tiny coffee shop there giving everybody free sandwiches and free soup and all. I said to everybody I know, look, just get a fiver in a card and send it up to them. Just give them some cash so they can buy the food and then give it to the people who need it. And a fiver to people, what's that, a cup of coffee? At this stage, you know? Um, I'm not saying everybody has that either, but for most people a fiver is okay. But collectively, a fiver from a hundred people. Is 500 people or it's 500 euros. So so that's the way I look at it. And it's collectively. So we have most of the, we do a thing called Operation Snowball at Christmas. People pick a snowball color. So your color is a white snowball. Then you are donating a child's Santee toy. If you are purple color, it's the long-term residence in St. John of God's that people have, the families maybe aren't around or they're in care a long, long time. Um, The red one is for the homeless dinners. We make sure that there's two homeless dinner rounds that happen over Christmas so everyone gets a hot meal that comes to the table. Um, So there's just loads of little ways you can do that yourself in your own community where you are right now. Is there a way you can pass it on? Is there a way that you can collect things and give them where they're needed? Is there a shelter you can knock on the door and say, hey, what can I do? You know, is there something I can help with? But again, people, I thought this year, you know, we've been told to face the doom and gloom, and we've seen all the prices go up, and people's finances have changed. There's no doubt about it. And I thought, okay, this is probably going to be because COVID. We still ran it during COVID; it still happened. But coming into Mm. this time now, this year, I thought, oh my God, this is going to be tough now because people really won't. You know, they'll be hanging on to their pennies and their pants. And I have pages of pages of people who have pledged snowballs this year. There's over 90 pages wow. or 90 pledges in already. So it's a community of people that just love it. And for some people it is Christmas. Oh, we have a little <laughs> we try and do it, a little snow prince or a snow princess to open Operation Snowball, to give them their day. So Santi knocks on their door in a limo and picks them up and brings them and they open Operation Snowball for me. And it's usually maybe somebody who has had a bit of a struggle or, you know, there's been difficulty around them coming here or being here or whatever, and we just give them their moment as well. And that's magic. That's just, it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's full of sparkle. So, I look, I'm very privileged. Mm.
1: How can they contact you, Helen, if they want to support or find out how they can do it in their locality?
0: I've always included Pass It On with my in my work, no matter what I've done. It's sort of my baby on the side of everything. So on my website, helenwalsh.ie, there's a Pass It On page. And on that, you'll see the list of snowballs, um, I actually haven't updated it for this year yet, but they, they're the very same as the ones last year. So the same items or whatever. So, and there's contact details on there if people want to to hop on and and ask me any questions Wonderful. or ask me where things are going or or get involved.
1: What would you like people to walk away with today, Helen?
0: Don't be afraid of things. Don't be afraid of what's coming. Don't be... Ugh just take the blinkers off a little bit and say right we're blessed we have one go at this you get up in the morning if all your bits are working and you have energy and you have food and you have a shelter over your head and wherever you're already winning everything else is a bonus every time you meet someone in your day you impact them we forget that and sometimes if we're not in great form or we're grumpy, and that doesn't mean you have to go around all happy-clappy all day. You don't. I know you think I have the Amarillo song attached to me all day, but <laughs> but, I, <laughs> but I don't. But I think I, th- I do understand that I have an impact on people. So if I am going to moan or ask for help or whatever, I'm very careful how I do it and who I do it with yeah. um, because I, I think there's an yeah. impact when we dump on people. So stop dumping on people and do something nice. Tell someone your dress looks amazing today or your jumper, I really love that Mm. colour on you or I little, we've forgotten to give compliments to people because they sound strange now, you know. Just get back to Mm. what can you give somebody and that might be a moment of your time, it might be a compliment, it might be a little gift, it might be something, but that will change their day. I've had people come back to me that met me on the street that I maybe did something for 10 years ago. And they come up to me on the street and they go, do you remember mm-hmm. you did this? And I'm like blown away that they can even remember what it was. But it, because mm-hmm. of where they were at the time, it had an impact on. So we have that power to make this world a little bit better for every person that we bump into. And you do that Finola. You do that. I've never met <laughs> you. anyone. That was just so kind. No, I'm I'm not. I'm not. You know, this is not a false thing. I don't give away compliments easily. I, other than your dress is lovely. <laughs> but I you just have this kindness. <laughs> you just have this kindness about you and you've always had it. And you have this real open view of the world and you see things visionary in a visionary way, I think. And that's why I really liked you from day one. And I think that's why we clicked, because there was just something there that I thought, oh, my God, she gets us, she gets us.
1: Well, I always loved that you have always made the world a better place for being here, Helen. And I think it's you leave us with a really good message and reminder that every single one of us makes an impact in every moment. And I think we've got to remember that. And I really thank you for that
0: thank you very much for giving me the space to to talk about it and there's so many lovely little stories and as I said it's a privilege for me like people forget that I get something as well like I have the best Christmases Mm. I've ever had in my life because I know what's happening behind the scenes so I mean that's you know it doesn't people can give me lovely presents, and it's great but it's nowhere near the feeling you get when you can lift another person just even for a moment. And we all have, we all have the power to do that.
1: It's a wonderful place to leave it. Thank you so
0: much, Helen. Well, thank you very much. And I'm going to go back to playing Amarillo now and get the energy <laughs> for the rest of the night. <laughs>
1: cool. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Helen, look her up on LinkedIn or check out helenwalsh.ie. And if you love listening to this podcast, please leave a five-star review in Apple Podcasts and leave a comment. It helps me understand what's working and encourages others to take a listen, which would mean the world to me. And I'll be back next week with another great guest. And until then, take care.